Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Amen. Can we give the Lord another big praise? Hallelujah. How many like Christmas time? How many like this time of the year? Nobody? Okay, I do. Are y'all awake? It's 11 o'clock. Amen. Come on. How many like Christmas time? All right. How many like getting things, receiving gifts? Get you a little more excited there. Well, last night we had, or yesterday we had a, a ugly Christmas sweater party with uh, my son-in-law, Dylan's parents, and it was a great fun time, and, and uh, I didn't win. Deonza won. You'll have to ask her for a picture of her sweater. Let me tell you, it's something else. And... Um, we, uh, after we went to go see Christmas lights, how many like to go drive around and see Christmas lights at Christmas time or, or places? And we, we like to do that. So we left after to go, and uh, we saw this uh, Dawson, uh, Dylan's brother-in-law, actually called us and told us about this place real close to where we were. So I was thankful for that. We didn't have to drive. Drove over to this house that was way off in the middle of nowhere behind houses, and, and, and all of a sudden just see all these lights. And so we pulled up and sat there and got some amazing inspiration. How many could dream with me today for an awesome outreach next year? How many love outreach? That's what our church is all about, amen? And I got, we got this idea that I, part of it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time, and everything we do is to try to get someone to believe in Jesus Christ. Everything we do. If you haven't noticed, that's why, that, how many saw the big old sign, by the way, out there? Anybody new see that sign for the first time, Amen the billboard out there. It's all about people knowing that Jesus is the reason we serve. Jesus is the reason the church is here. And Jesus is the reason we celebrate Christmas. And so we want to do something next year, but we've got to start planning ahead. And so anyways, this house had all these uh, arcs and, and trees and things. And, uh, and if you've ever seen it, it goes with the music and everything. But it was just like wild that this house put together. They had um, everything you can think of. They had pyrotechnics. They had fire coming out. They had uh, amazing songs. They had a song with the cross. And so I was thinking, man, what a cool way to reach people. And we have this amazing building and this amazing property right on the freeway. So we're going to believe next year for the money to get all these lights together and just like cover the front of the church, maybe the side of the church, maybe into the back. We don't know exactly how it's going to be, but Landon was really excited about it too. And we talked to Dylan about it. So they're going to start planning from right now for next year. So if it doesn't work out, you know who to blame, okay? Landon and Dylan, my son-in-laws. Amen. But it's going to be awesome. And then I, I, I picture a manger scene somewhere along this with all the lights and everything and people pulling in to get hot cocoa and apple cider and Jesus cards and all that and having a manger scene, which everybody knows, but in the manger scene having Michael Jackson and Elvis Presley and Michael Jordan and who, just some different personalities bowing down on their knees to Jesus at the manger scene. Amen. <laughs> Showing that that's what, that's what it's all about. Amen? How many will dream with me and that we're going to see that next year and we're going to reach a lot of people? All right. Awesome. Amen. That was just something I wanted to share. Uh, it, it's Christmas time and I want to talk about Christmas this morning. And sometimes we can get into Christmas time and forget what we're really here for and what we're celebrating. And so I want to I wanna give a message that's going to encourage you. For the last few weeks, I've been kind of giving it to you a little bit, kind of coming at you hard with some things about the family. And I promise you today, I'm going to behave, amen, I'm going to be nice, and I'm going to smile at you, and I'm not going to correct you at all. Sound good? 
Some of you are like, good, good, good. Amen. I'm just going to lift you up and encourage you and make you fall more in love with Jesus. Is that okay? Amen. But we need both. Amen. We need both. That's what makes a healthy church. If someone asked me, what's Christmas about? And I had to use a verse. Maybe a verse would come to your mind, but I know one comes to my mind, and that's John 3.16. Now, how many have got your Bibles? Don't put it up on the screen this morning yet, please. How many have got your Bibles? Let me see your Bibles. We're starting to encourage everybody to bring your Bibles to church, amen, to have the physical Bible here so we can look at it in case the Wi-Fi goes down, in case your phone breaks, and whatever, just starting to learn how to navigate the Bible, amen. And so let's say this together. If you've been saved very long, we already welcome the guest. You may not know Jesus yet. Today you're going to get a chance, those watching online. But if you're a believer, you should know this verse. It's the most famous verse in the Bible, and it's what Christmas is all about. John 3.16. Go with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. And then it goes on to say, God didn't send Jesus to come condemn this world, but he came that Jesus would save the world. Amen? And so that's what Christmas is all about. God is a giver. God gives. He, he gave His only Son. He gave of Himself this morning, and that's why we have Christmas. So when you give gifts this time at Christmas, think more about that, that that's what the, we're giving because God gave. Amen? Now, I want to kind of get into some things this morning. As, we, as I have my Bible still in my hand, I talked a couple of weeks ago about thankful for His Word. And I want to remind you this morning, if you're watching online or watching on, listening on the podcast, how amazing this book is. We can take this book for granted because we have so many of them and we're so easily to access them. But this is, this is a miracle. This is a, a miracle. This book is, there's nothing, there's, if I had to think of one word, I could think of amazing, I could think of marvelous, but it's a miracle. And how many in this place this morning are miracles? Let me see your hand if you're a miracle. This Bible is full of miracles and, and we are miracles, and, and if there's anything you need this morning in the, in the line of a miracle, you're in the right place, because this book has miracles for you. It's miracles for your marriage, has miracles for your finances, has miracles for your minds, has miracles if you have any kind of addictions, it has miracles if you're angry, it has a breakthrough for you, it has everything you need right here in this book. So I want to talk about the marvelous miracle of Christmas. Okay, so this book was written by over 40 authors over 1,500 years, all kinds of different people, 66 perfect books, and in this thing, there's 2,500 prophecies, meaning something that was spoken into the future that's going to happen. How many know none of us here could even predict something that's going to happen next week? Amen? To say something's going to happen, but these things are 500, 700, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 year-old prophecies. And they've all come to pass, most of them. Some are still in the future to come. But I want us to remind, be reminded at this Christmas time that Christmas time is really about prophecy. It's really about the Word of God being spoken thousands of years ago and Jesus coming to fulfill that Word. Okay? So think about this. I want to put this into perspective. With 2,500 prophecies in the Bible, general, okay, there's a, over 300 that are about Jesus Christ, the person, of him coming to this earth, dying on the cross, resurrecting from the dead, going to heaven, coming back again, over 300 prophecies. Now, of those numbers, let's just say 
How amazing would it be if even eight out of the 300 were to come? How hard would it be for eight of those prophecies? What is the probability? What are the odds? How many mathematicians do I have in here? Anybody that likes math? Let me see your hands. You good at math? Whether you're good at math or not, this is not something you, can, you won't be able to handle. But I want you to think about the probability of eight of those prophecies happening about one single person with all the events that have to come into play. Here's the odds of eight. Now remember, there's over 300 of Jesus, over 2,500 total. But let's say that there's only eight. What's the odds that eight prophecies could come to, tr- come to pass that were prophesied? It is one out of one in 10 to the 24th power, one times 10 to the 24th power which is 24 zeros. Six zeros after a number is a million. Nine zeros after a number is a trillion, or billion. Twelve is a trillion, and on and on to gazillion and, and a gigillion and a bunch of names like Gilligan, Gilligan's Island. A lot, lot of gillions, right, and zillions and numbers. Really numbers that we can't even really grasp in our heads. And so out of that probability, I'm going to show you kind of in our understanding what that means. If I took a silver dollar, size of a silver dollar, and I began to collect them, and I got all these silver dollars together, and I had enough silver dollars to cover the entire state of Texas. I mean, Texas is big. And covered on the ground, and then I started collecting, and they started rising up till one day I had silver dollars to my knees all over the state of Texas. Imagine how many silver dollars that is. The odds of eight prophecies coming to pass is this. That out of all those silver dollars, that crazy number we can't even fathom, we would take one silver dollar and we would mark an X on it. And we would throw it into Texas from a helicopter, mix it all up, and the odds of somebody finding that, walking out blindfolded and grabbing that one with an X is how probable it is that eight prophecies would come to pass about Jesus did y'all get that that's a lot of you know what that basically means it's impossible but but what does the Bible say with God all things are possible here's another just kind of more personal thing has anybody ever had a meteorite land on your house no I know tornadoes and all that here's the odds of a meteorite landing on your house that same number with 12 zeros so there's twice as many a chance of finding the one coin with the X on it than there is of a meteorite hitting your house. So it means it's impossible. So I want you to think about that as I say this, that this is something that is amazing. That Christmas time is not just get together with the family and talk about a manger and baby Jesus, but this is a book of miracles. And it's a book of prophecy, and I want to show you a few things this morning. I'm going to give you one of the coolest examples. How many like cool things? Here's one of the coolest examples. In the Old Testament, in the book of Micah, Micah chapter 5, if you're taking notes, verse 2, Micah chapter 5, this is one of those ones that if you're new to the Bible, it would be a little bit hard to find. It's in the Old Testament. This is a minor prophet, and he is preaching ahead and speaking something that's going to happen. Let me say this real quick before I read this, and for anybody that's new, what is the Old Testament this morning? The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is revealed, okay? Maybe you're here new, you're starting to learn about the Bible. That's what's so cool. The Old Testament is not old like old people, like old like antique. It's it's first. And all the scriptures from Genesis to Malachi 
are concealed from the New Testament. And the New Testament comes along and it's written and it starts to reveal all the Old Testament scriptures. And if you remember a couple weeks ago when I did that message on the book of the Bible, it showed all those those lines intertwining with each other how it all works together and one scripture here talks about another scripture over here and and so forth so way back thousand years before jesus came micah chapter 5 is is prophesying something but what i my my job is and my call is to make you read more into the lines more deeper into this this subject here and see that it says here's the prophecy you bethlehem ephrathah Though you are little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one. How many, does anybody in here know the one? Does anybody over here know the one? Does anybody online know the one? How many know the one is the one who changed us? So he is talking about the one to come who will be a ruler in Israel. And then we know it's Jesus because it says whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. See, Jesus is not, and the manger is not, and salvation is not something that God thought of, like, oh, it didn't work out, let me fix this. Jesus has been around since the very beginning. The Bible says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything made from Him was from God. That's Jesus. So Jesus is not an afterthought. So we see in this scripture here that he's talking about Bethlehem. How many know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem? Let's your hand if you knew Jesus was born in Bethlehem. You ought to at least know that from the Christmas songs. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Right? I mean, we sing them all the time. How many know Jesus was not from Bethlehem? See, that's what makes it interesting. This prophecy was prophesying that Jesus was going to be the one The ruler of Israel was going to be born in Bethlehem, but Jesus was born in Nazareth. Or sorry, from Jesus' dad, Joseph, was from Nazareth. So this starts to show how scriptures can be prophesied, but all these little pieces can come, and all these things can happen to hinder you. How many have ever made plans to do something, and your plans got canceled, or postponed, or moved around, and and shifted, and that's just one little plan that you made. Think about trying to write a book with 2,500 prophecies in it, with all these little moving parts. So Micah prophesies this, and now let's look at it come to pass in the New Testament in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it says, And it shall come to pass in those days that a decree, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Around Christmas time, you should read this to your kids. You should read this story in Luke about the account of Jesus. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, or in other words, engaged wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And so here we see in this story in Luke, we start to see how... Jesus came to be born in Bethlehem even though Jesus' father was from Nazareth because a census was put out. Circumstances began to happen. This is where we start to see how miraculous this story is. And it says, And she brought, verse 7, forth, her firstborn son. 
Now, I'm going to hit some areas here this morning because I know lots of us come from different backgrounds and different beliefs and different ways we were raised. And, for example, the, the, church, the Catholic Church preach, teaches, I'm just, I mean, it's not, not something that's unknown, that, that they still preach today or teach today that Mary is still a virgin. They still call her the Virgin Mary. But the Bible tells us here in the Scriptures that this is her firstborn son, meaning she had other sons. And that's very important. This is, this is something I'm going to hit home because this is what I'm talking about this morning. So that firstborn son is born, and it says, And wrapped him in swaddling clothes, that was prophesied in the Old Testament, laid him in a manger, that was prophesied in the Old Testament, because there was no room for them in the inn. How many know that the that fact that there was no room for them in the inn was not a coincidence? All these things were prophesied, and all these things happened that makes this story more and more impossible and more and more miraculous the marvelous miraculous miracle of christmas now this is important if you don't get anything else out of this message this is key tell somebody next to you this is key what is it the virgin birth of jesus fundamental to our faith if we don't believe that Jesus Christ and understand that Jesus Christ was born from a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, not by man, his perfect life, his death on the cross, his miracles that he did, his resurrection from the dead, all those things don't matter if this one thing isn't believed and known and true, that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Okay, I know we have a lot of new people to the faith. This is what's called a fundamental truth, a fundamental doctrine. And this is what separates us from any religion in the world. Okay, It's very, very important that you understand this. So let's look how, how this happened and why this happened all the way back in the book of Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, if you're taking notes. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Right before we read it, here's, what, here's what's leading up to this. Adam and Eve sinned. Okay, Adam and Eve made a mistake. God said, this is what you're supposed to do. Don't eat from that tree. They didn't listen. And just by the way, Eve messed up first. Okay, she was first. But will we always get the blame? We'll take it, right, ma'am? Well, you guys can argue about that later. The, pro- the bottom line is, they both sinned. Okay? And we've been playing the blame game ever since. Adam and Eve messed up, and so God comes down and judges... The world, right here in Genesis chapter 3. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So what this verse means is, because of this, I'm bringing judgment on humanity. And Satan, you, as you know the rest of the scriptures, you would read in the rest of the scriptures, he says, you are going to now be on your belly. And you're going to slither like a snake. You're, going to, you're not going to be able to have legs. You're going to eat the dust. Man's going to have to sweat. Woman's going to have pain in childbirth. That's why we blame each other. The man blames the woman that he's got to work and sweat. And the woman blames the man she has to have babies in pain. Blame game. Amen? You're supposed to at least laugh a little bit there. I'm not, I'm, I'm, so be nice today. Amen? So this story's happening, and this verse right here changes the course of history. And he says, I'm going to judge the world 
But he says, I'm going to provide a way of salvation and redemption. And he prophesies way back in Genesis 3 that there's always going to be a battle. That's what enmity means, or or struggle. There's always going to be a struggle between Satan and man and women. Always. Okay, during, during your life. And then he says... And between your seed and her seed, so that the, the demon and devil in his darkness and his demons and us and the seed of, of Eve and people. But he says, he shall bruise, and, and another word for that is fatally crush. See, Jesus fatally crushed Satan. So he says, he's going to crush your head, but you're going to bruise his heel. In other words, you're going you're gonna to make it hard for him to do it. You're going to hold on and scratch and 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 make it difficult but he's eventually going to crush your head that's a perfect picture of our lives today we can struggle we can go through some things but how many know jesus already defeated satan on the cross amen we know the book already and how it ends and we win come on church we win we win because of this but because this is said in the old testament prophecy Watch what happens in Matthew chapter 1. Why this is so important. Why, why the gospel good news starts because of this, of this prophecy. Now the birth of Jesus, verse, chapter 1 verse 18, was as follows. After his mother <clears throat> was betrothed or engaged to Joseph, and here's the key. Underline this in your Bible. Before they came together. Key. She was found with child of the holy spirit you see that there before they came together in other words they did not know each other sexually and if they would have the whole plan would have been ruined now i want i want us to think about this today this is a good time for us to put ourselves and we should always do this put ourselves in the story men can you imagine your wife telling you she's pregnant and maybe you're fixed. You've already had four kids. And it's not physically possible. And you go, okay, well, God's a God of miracles. God, and we've heard of that before. It's always been kind of a fear of Carl and I that something like that would happen, that God would see it fit to give us another kid, even though we wanted to stop it too. And thank God, I think we're at an age we're safe now, I hope. I don't want a Sarah and Abraham to come alive. Amen. But it's possible. Anything's possible. But then she says, and I wasn't with another man, it was God. Put yourself there, men. Now the woman knows she hasn't been with another man. But the man has to believe that the Holy Spirit put a child in her. You all with me? So this is, this is real stuff here. And this is real decisions. And we begin to see this human. This is what I love about the Bible, how humanity comes out of the Bible. Joseph gets these words, and many of us men here would be like, uh, nah. Nah, it's not, that's, not, that's not possible. It's not true. We wouldn't believe it. And watch what he says, what, what he does. He says, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make a public example, because you've got to understand, today in our society, everything goes. Not that it's right, but everything goes. Now, it's always kind of everything goes. They had craziness back then, too. But today, it's accepted publicly. I would say that that's the difference. How do I know that? Because back in the Bible times, if a woman committed adultery, she had to walk around with an A on her chest. 
If a woman was found to be pregnant before marriage, they could be stoned to death. So it's a little different today. But back then, he knew if, she, if the public finds out that she's pregnant and we're not married, she's in trouble. So he says, not wanting to make her a public example, he says, I'm going to put her away secretly. I'm going to cover this up. Watch what it says. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared. Men, how many know an angel of the Lord would have to show up? Again, women, I'm not trying to take away from you, but you're the woman and you know if you've been with somebody or not. The man has to believe. So the angel shows up. Thank God. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, marry your wife, that which is conceived of her, and this is where it's miraculous, is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name, and I want you to shout that name out this morning. Come on, shout it out. You shall call his name Jesus. For he will save people from their sins. That's the gospel right there. That's the miraculous, marvelous story of Christmas. He will save people from their sins. So all this was done, why? That it might be fulfilled. That that which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Amen. The Bible's awesome. The miracle, the chances of that happening, of, of, of human nature coming into play and doing the right thing so that Jesus could be conceived of the Holy Spirit is so key. I'm going to get to the end in a minute and show you why it's so key that he was born of a virgin. But I want to go back and hit this home in Matthew 1.18. I want to read that verse again, Matthew 1.18. Actually, I did this in the first service. Let's read Isaiah 9.6 real quick. Just to, just to correlate the one we just read there at the end of Matthew 23. Here's, here's Isaiah 9, verse 6. Here's the prophecy of Matthew 1, 23. For unto us a child is born. This is Isaiah prophesying this 700 years before Jesus comes to the earth. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we see that fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Isn't it amazing how God's Word is always fulfilled? I want to remind you, as I said a couple weeks ago in that message, this is right. Hold your Bibles up again and say, this is right all the time. Everything else is wrong. It's the truth. This is right. Everything else is wrong. Nothing else outside of this is right. The Bible's right on every matter. It's the truth. It's life. It's hope. It's peace. It's direction. It's a light unto our feet. It's a lamp unto our path. This is right. Everything else is wrong. A lot of religions in the world have bits and pieces of this. But they don't have the whole counsel. They don't have it all worked together. I was reading, just for example, about the Islamic faith, and I wanted to see what they said, the Muslims, about in the Quran, about Mary and about the virgin birth. The Islamic religion believes, just like we do, in the virgin birth. 
And that's when I, when I wonder, why is it that they would, would have this truth and take this truth but not believe the whole truth? And many religions do that. And so they, they, I was listening to a, a, a clip of a, a man preaching about, teaching about the Quran, and he said, we believe in it, and they actually have a book called Mary. And it says that, the vir- that, that Jesus was born of a virgin. But then they go on to say that when Jesus was born and he was a baby, he was a, no sound of his a few days, a few months, but he was a baby, that when people started to ridicule Mary for having the baby, that Jesus spoke as a child and rebuked them and told them not to make fun of Mary. See, that's the problem. That's not in the Bible. That's the problem. That, the people take things that's not in the Bible. Lots of religions exist today, and they take a truth here, a truth there. Some may even take the whole thing, but then they add or they take away from the Bible. And so this is what I'm trying to teach you guys this morning to understand that we have to have the whole counsel of the Bible. That's when I was talking earlier about if we make, if we make Mary something more than she is biblically, then we're making her a deity or we're making her a God. You've got to understand, our faith today is based on the fact that God came down from heaven in a physical body and lived a perfect life But he had to be born of a virgin and conceived of the Holy Spirit so that he would not be contaminated by the seed of man. Are you with me this morning? That's why this is so important. So then look at the new translation, or sorry, now look at Matthew 1.18 to hit this part home. I I want you to see this verse and how important it is. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. This is why we celebrate the birth. We know Jesus is not a baby. By the way, Jesus is not a baby anymore. Some people have left him a baby. Some people have left him on the cross. He's alive. He's fully grown. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us right now. He already defeated death, hell, and the grave. He's not on the cross anymore. He's not a baby still. But this is all part of the story. It's why we celebrate Christmas, the birth doesn't matter, by the way, if he was actually born on this day. I've always told people that people get caught up on things that aren't important. When you celebrate your birthday, your, your birthday that you were born on, you celebrate the day you were born. But if you want to get scientific, the day you were born was the day you were conceived. You became a human being way before you were born. So it doesn't matter what day 25th, 24th, June, July, we're celebrating the birth of a virgin from Christ to understand that this is what our salvation is about. Okay, so it says the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. If anybody tried to take that verse and say that, that they came together before she, he was born, our faith is nullified. Do you get that? Nullified. Now watch it in the New Living Translation. Sometimes we believe that the King James Version from the Hebrew and the Greek is the the clearest translation. I use New King James because it takes a lot of the thous and the thys out. But sometimes we use other translations to give us a fuller understanding of what it means, kind of in our English terms sometimes. But you don't ever want to take a translation that changes the structure or the truth of a verse. 
So I want you to see how this says it. Now Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, look what it says, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is key and fundamental to our faith this morning. Now I want to begin to close right here with this. I want to begin to break this down and make this simple. I asked if you like math earlier. I wasn't really good at math, but this makes a lot of sense. Adam and Eve messed up. And from that day forward, because of the enmity between God and man, now every time a baby's born, there's some babies here, there's some babies in the nursery, and as sweet and beautiful they are, cute as they are, as cute as my grandson is, as cute as my other one's going to be, they're sinners. Amen. And we talk about it all the time. If you don't believe that, if you forgot how sinful your kids were when they were young, just take a trip back to the nursery. We could always use more workers. Amen? Go back there and hang out a little bit and watch how they fight over the toys. Watch how none of those toys in there are theirs. They're the churches, but they're all theirs. As soon as they touch it, mine. Amen? The sinful nature. But babies, as soon as they're born, the Bible teaches that as soon as we are born, we are born sinners. We're born with a sin nature. And from that day forward, we are condemned to eternal life without Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Born in sin. And until that child gets to an age of accountability, which only God knows, some could be six, some could be eight, some could be ten, some could be... God knows when they begin to understand what right and wrong is then they have to give an account for their sinful nature. That's why sometimes when a baby dies, as tragic as it is, my, I always say, thank you, Lord. They're in heaven. They don't have to go through this world. Last year, in the middle of the year, I buried a five-year-old baby, five-day-old baby. That's tough. But I also was very thankful that that baby is in heaven and didn't have to grow up to face the things that we have to face in life. So saying all that, the reason is, is because, because they, they sinned and messed up, whether we like it or not, believe it or not, or accept it or not, we are condemned for our sin, and we are sinners, and we need a Savior. Now watch what Romans says as I begin to close right here. Chapter 5. This, makes, this brings all this into perspective and makes it all make sense. Therefore, verse 18, as, as, though, sorry, as through one man's offense... Judgment came to how many men? All men. Resulting in what? Condemnation. Even so, and this is why the verse says in Second Thessalonians 5, 17, it says, if any man be in Christ, or First Corinthians, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away and all become new. That's why Romans 8 says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? So we, our, our, the, the offense of one man's sin condemns everybody. And even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men. See, at Christmas, we all have a free gift this morning. The greatest gift. And it says, resulting in the justification of life. Now watch this next verse. For as by, this is, makes it totally simple, as by one man's disobedience, this is simple math right here, as by one man's disobedience, many 
were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience will also be many be made righteous. Simple. Amen? Go ahead and clap. Go ahead and clap. Amen. He just found that in the first service this morning. So that's how you're supposed to be. Don't lose your excitement. He just had an encounter with Jesus this morning in the first service. Amen? So this, this, and the thing that's interesting about that is he's like, you know why? Because, because we forget. We're here now and we're all saved and we forget. I said I was going to be nice, but we forget. If I, if I were to tell you I got a million dollars in a box up here, you guys would be like, and we're going to raffle off to see who wins. Everybody would be excited. Come on, tell me if we weren't having a raffle this morning for a million dollars and you were going to win, one was going to win here this morning, you wouldn't be excited. Salvation's way better than that. Way better. So we should be excited about the marvelous miracle of Christmas. Amen. Last verse. I think my, thought my musician was going to be here already. First John chapter 4. Watch this. This is important. This is Bible doctrine. Verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. This is a really good teaching right here for if you're dealing with somebody who believes in a false doctrine. This is a simple way because many religions don't believe this. By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. That's what I've been telling you about since the beginning of this message. God, God came down into a physical body and lived in a physical body being 100% God, 100% man. There's not one other person in the history of the world who's done that. Are you, are you, you know, that's why, that's why the Old Testament scripture said, the one. The one. And, and we get in trouble when we say there's only one way to heaven. Amen? Other religions will say, well, there's other ways and it's not the only way. And, but Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am... And who comes unto the Father? Do you know your Bibles? What's, what's next? No one comes unto the Father except through me. That's why he can say that. Because he's the only one who's ever been born in the history of humanity without a father on this earth. Just one. Conceived by the Holy Spirit. And he says, watch this. Every spirit. Did I miss something from verse 2? Did you skip on? No, I read the whole thing. Go back so I can read it again so I can see where I'm at. Okay. This is how you know. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Next verse. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist. When they try to tell you we all believe in the same God, that's not true. It's not true. It says this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. There, there are many religions who add and take away. And maybe you come from that. Maybe you come from some kind of false doctrine or some kind of religion that was teaching some of the truth but not all the truth. Are we perfect here? No, but we are perfectly trying 
to live by this Bible exactly how it reads. Word for word, line upon line, precept upon precept, as it is. As the Bible says. Not adding anything, not taking anything away. And God has a perfect word. And when we do this, when we put our faith in this perfect book, anything is possible. A woman who's supposed to die and is on her deathbed can be home today celebrating Jesus and living a good life. Amen. A person who's here that was a drug addict can be here set free. A person who's here this morning that had a marriage destroyed can be here. Amen. I'm thinking back to our Friday night married couples dinner right now that we just celebrated, had a great time. And I was thinking, man, on a Friday night, where would these people have been five years ago and how would they be acting if it wasn't a Christian couple's married couple's dinner? I know, I was looking, I was telling Carla, can you imagine them right now under the influence? That's who we were. But now, because of the miraculous, marvelous grace of Jesus, we're saved. How many miracles are here this morning? Amen. Are you a miracle this morning? I'm a miracle this morning. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord one more praise. Amen. The reason I say that is because if tying it all together, really the truth is what proves the gospel to be true is a a life transformed. A life just transformed. Father, thank you for the transformation of life in these people's lives here those that are watching online, those that are listening on the podcast, those that were here at the 9 o'clock service, those in different churches all around the world that are preaching the gospel today in countries all around the world. Thank you for the truth. Thank you that you came down from heaven and left your heavenly glory to be born into this life that we live today to face every temptation we face to go through every struggle we go through to feel the pain we feel so you could ultimately die in my place and give me eternal life thank you for the marvelous miracle of Christmas as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place how many of you hearing my voice right now could say that you've never put your faith and you've never confessed as that verse said that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life and died a perfect death on the cross to take your place. You've never confessed that. You've never put your faith in that. You've never believed in that. The Bible says if you don't believe, if you don't have that, you you cannot get to heaven. It's not my words. It's God's words. He wrote the book. But he made a way that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. How many this morning could say, I've never said that prayer. I've never confessed Christ as Lord and Savior. Today I want to do that. Would you just quickly lift up your hand all across this place. I see your hand. How many more? All across this place. I I need Jesus. I need to confess the Lord. I see your hand. I need to confess Jesus as Lord. I need to put my faith in Him this morning. Amen. I want to believe on Jesus and believe what he did on the cross for me. Maybe you're here and you said that prayer at some point in your life, but today 
You're not living the life that God wants you to live. You've, maybe your faith's been attacked or your faith has grown cold or maybe you've started to go back slowly to drift away to your old man. And you want to get things back in order today. You want to realize, man, this God is real and He's a miraculous God and He's a God of grace. How many could say, I need to come home today? I need to get right. I need to get back with God, back in love, back with my first love, Revelation says. Let's stand to our feet this morning all across this place. In just a moment, we're going to say a prayer with those that are watching online, listening to the podcast, believe that decisions will be made to put their faith in Jesus. If you're here and you raised your hand for one of those and you've never confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to give you the opportunity. This is, this is the reason the church is open. So you can say, Jesus, I want to publicly confess that I believe in the virgin birth. I believe that Jesus came and died for my sins. If that's you, just step out of your seat to the nearest aisle. Quickly, just come down here. We're going to pray for you this morning. I saw a couple of young men's hands go up. If you, if you meant that, let's come down this morning. Amen. I can't, can't make anybody do anything. We're going to open up these altars in just a second, but I want to say a prayer with those that are watching online. Would you say this with me? Lord Jesus, I believe and confess with my mouth that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. I fall short of your glory and the wages of my sin is death. But I know your word says, but the gift of God is eternal life. I also confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you came to this earth born of a virgin to not have the seed of a man and lived a perfect life and died on the cross to take my place so that my sins could be forgiven. I believe that and confess that and I ask you today to wash me clean from all of my sins. I repent. I'm sorry for everything I've done. From this day forward, change me. Cause me to walk in your ways to know your word, to please you, living according to your word. From this day forward, I'm going to listen to you, follow you, and glorify you. Please write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, Go to our website at vwotexas.com.